2: Welcome to the final episode in this mini-series looking at family life during the coronavirus pandemic. We've looked at lots of different areas from homeschooling and keeping kids happy to what life is like for pregnant women and new mums. I've had loads of feedback from listeners telling me how useful and helpful you have found these episodes and how some of you have been listening on your daily walks and runs. And I'm the same. I have found podcasts to be absolutely invaluable when I'm out walking or running. It's almost like having an extra link to the outside world, isn't it? So on this final episode of the miniseries, my guest is Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. Rangan is a dad of two and a GP whose whole ethos is around offering people a lifestyle prescription rather than medication. Rongen is a regular on BBC Breakfast, he presents his own hugely popular podcast Feel Better Live More and he presents his own BBC programme Doctor in the House. Rongen tells me about his own experience of lockdown with his family and we delve into why it's okay to admit that you've enjoyed certain aspects of the past few weeks guilt-free. He also shares his tips on building a routine and he talks about our desire to hang on to the positive changes that we've made. Things like going for a daily walk once lockdown measures are eased. So I really hope that you get loads out of our chat. I have a feeling that you will. So I'm joined today by Dr. Rangan Chatterjee. Rangan, welcome.
1: Alison, thanks so much for having me.
2: Um tell me how have you been coping on a personal level during lockdown because it's it's hard isn't it juggling work and family life
1: Yeah you know it's it's interesting on a on a personal level it's not been too bad actually so um I think it's important for me to say at the start that although we're all experiencing lockdown together I think we're all experiencing it in very different ways so uh, depending on our job, whether we can work from home, depending on whether we have space at home or whether we've got a garden. Uh, I think our experience is going to be very, very different uh, depending on our own situation. And I think I've really realised how lucky I am in my life in terms of, um, you know, I've got a house with a... I've got I've got a, you know, a bit of space in the garden and the weather has been really quite nice in the UK for the majority of lockdown. And so, you know, I've been in the garden... You know, pretty much every day at some point, uh, my kids have been in the garden quite a lot. Um, Yes, I've had to work, um, but I guess I'm lucky that with some of my work, I can do it from home. Uh, But it has been challenging on one level because, let's say, you know, like you, I have my own podcast and it's you know like this big juggernaut that goes out every wednesday at 1pm without fail and my wife produces it so she tends to work full time on that and you know we've got our kids home both of our kids are you know one's 9 one's 7 and they're at home at the moment so you know trying to work and also trying to spend time with the kids has been a bit challenging but i've got to be honest alison i think we've really quite enjoyed many aspects of this. And I I don't mean to be insensitive. I appreciate many people are struggling. A lot of people have lost their jobs, their work. Um, A lot of people are in very stressful situations. I know that, and I'm not taking anything away from that. But I think on a, you know, you asked me on a personal level, I think the four of us have actually, um, there's been many, many positive aspects, I will say that.
2: I think that's fine to hear, though. It's, It's nice, refreshing to hear. And it's actually fine for you to admit that, because you shouldn't feel that you have to pretend that it's been a nightmare just because other people have been struggling.
1: Yeah I think that's a great point Alison and you know if I'm honest I think a few years ago I would have felt really bad admitting that there's been quite a lot of this that I've been enjoying Um, but you know what I have you know I, I don't know how deep you go in your conversations with different guests but I've done a lot of deep emotional work and personal work on myself. And I have changed a lot of the way I view the world. Um, How keen I am to please other people is something I've really worked hard on. I've really understood where that people pleasing element of me came from. And I've done a lot of work to change that. And so, you know, I'm very comfortable these days saying something like that, because, you know, as harsh as it sounds, I'm not being insensitive when I say that. I'm actually, I say that with genuine compassion that's actually I know it's hard for some people but for me yes there have been some challenges for sure but actually there have been so many benefits and if people misinterpret that actually I've realised that that's not my issue
2: it's not it's not
1: it's not my issue I can't I can't be responsible for the way everyone interprets something that I say and I've got to just speak from the heart and tell the truth and the truth is seeing my kids this much is incredible. Having normally three meals a day with my wife and my kids at a table is incredible. Being able to go out for a walk or a bike ride once a day with the four of us is incredible. These are things that were not happening before lockdown. So I'm choosing to focus on those. I'm choosing to put my attention on all these amazing things. I could put my attention on the negative things, um, but I am training myself to try and be as positive as possible. And I'm not... I don't mean that to sound as though I'm kidding people, right? No. I, I've just been enjoying very many aspects of this. That's the truth.
2: I think that's lovely. And you're probably the first person that I've spoken to who has expressed that in such a clear way. And I think that most other people who have, you know, talked positively about it, they always seem to caveat it with, oh, oh, but I do have, I do have my bad days too, or I do have my bad moments. And actually, it's kind of okay, if if you are just really enjoying the benefits of lockdown.
1: Yeah, you know, one thing I think it's taught many people, um, but certainly me, is I have this real intense feeling of gratitude. And you know i'd like to think i was grateful for my life before but i really don't think i was as grateful for a lot of the simple things and you know i'll give you an example so one of the challenges that has been there is that um i live you know five minutes away from my mum who's 79 years old she lives by herself since my dad passed away about seven years ago and mum wasn't that well coming into lockdown um and she lives by herself. And, you know, I was helping her out. And then she was doing okay. And so we were trying to keep our distance for the first few weeks. And then one, I got a call, my mum phoned, she was in a panic, she'd fallen, she couldn't get up, she was scared. So I had to go around. And, you know, social distancing actually goes out the window at that point, because my mum's struggling on the floor, she can't get up. So I had to help her. And you know, there's a long story there, but essentially got her up. I ended up staying for two or three nights with her on a on a blur mattress on the floor because I didn't want her going into hospital. And actually that was a you know potential option. Um so I want to see what I could do. And then, you know, things were a lot more steady now, but I'm I'm thinking I, I think about it and I think, well, you know what wrong in? You know, I've really realized how important community is, how how important our connections are. And then I think, well, you know what, I'm really lucky that I have, um, l- lucky part of it, but also a choice to live close to my mum to help her. And I'm really lucky because there's many people I know who are in similar situations, but live miles away and are feeling really frustrated that they can't help. So again, I'm choosing to look at the positive side of it, which is, you know, yes, it is hard. It's frustrating on so many levels. But the positive is, hey, Aren't I lucky that I live so nearby that I can help her if I need to?
2: That's such a, a good ethos to have, I think. And, and I think that, look, you know, looking at your social media posts, I think that the, the kind of the positivity and the help that you're posting on a regular basis must be helping so many people who aren't coping as well as you. I saw you post um, a few weeks ago about having how having a routine right now is important when it comes to building mental resilience. Um, which I really liked. I thought that was such a brilliant, simple piece of, of advice. Uh, what does your daily routine look like? And and have you found that it's something that has helped you through all of this, even though it does sound like you're having a great time?
1: Yeah, look, I, I don't want to, I don't at all want to say that uh, there aren't challenges on some level, right? There, there, there are, but but as I say, I, I really want to come back to you. By and large, I think the weather's helping, mm. but you know, we as a family... Um, I dealing with this really well and yes sometimes daddy's in his study at uh, working mummy's you know in her bedroom working and so they're occupying themselves and actually are really bonding so that's been a really nice thing but sorry I'm ge- I keep going off on tangents you've got me trying <laughs> to keep fine. me back on track Al, so I'm so sorry about that um how do what does my routine look like look I I still play around and I still experiment day to day but By and large, what do I do? Well, I always like to get up before the rest of the family. I've always liked that and lockdown is no different. So, typically when I get up, I will do three things which I've called before the three M's of the morning routine. I've written about it, I've spoken about it and I think it's so, so important and very, very simple but very, very powerful. And so, those three M's are uh, mindfulness, movement and mindset. So, Mindfulness can be, you know, it can be anything, it can be breathing, it can be meditation, it could be mindfully making a cup of coffee or a cup of tea. Uh, movement is pretty self-explanatory and mindset has to do something positive to put you in a positive frame of mind. So what do I do at the moment? So I'll wake up and I will do five minutes of breathing. So um, I spoke to uh, Patrick McKeown, uh the author of The Oxygen Advantage on my podcast a couple of months ago. It was all about nasal breathing, And it was all about various uh, ways that we can optimize our health when we breathe in a very light way through our nose. So I practice that for the first five minutes of the day. I normally actually do it in my bedroom. I get up, you know, I'm sort of, I wake up and I swing my legs around. And before I get out of bed, when I'm in that sort of calm, really still state of mind, I do five minutes of breathing. Then I go downstairs Um, I do enjoy a cup of coffee. I've got a love-hate relationship with coffee, I must be honest. And uh, I probably have been getting a bit... A bit more back into coffee during lockdown than, than I possibly would have ideally liked to. But hey-ho, you know what? It's not, as vices go, it's not too bad.
2: Yes, we'll let you off. That's a load.
1: So what I do then, and I'm a bit uh, particular about my coffee. So I will weigh it out in the French press. I'll put it on some scales to get it all right. And then I'll put my timer on for four minutes. And that's how long I, I uh, like my coffee to brew for. In those four minutes, I do a workout. So I do a... You know, it changes every day. You know, I, I've got this bodyweight strength workout in, in my last book, Field Bastion Five, which is, you know, I think four or five of the best bodyweight exercises you can do for the entire body. So I'll either do that. I've also got a kettlebell in the kitchen. So sometimes I'll pick up the kettlebell and I'll do four minutes of, you know, basically I will work out until the four minutes is up. And then I put it down. And at the moment I'm going outside into the front, on, onto my, basically outside my porch because that's where the sun hits. And then I sit there and have a cup of coffee. Sometimes I won't do anything, sometimes I will read a few pages of a book uh, to put me in the right frame of mind. So I know that sounds quite long-winded but it really doesn't take long. The breathing is five minutes, the coffee whole uh, saga takes another five minutes and then I sit in the sun drinking coffee and reading or just reflecting. You know that is not a chore let me tell you and so that's how I start every day. Now occasionally I don't and the And what's really interesting, Alison, is the days when I don't have that time to myself, I'm just generally a bit more on edge throughout the day. I'm a bit more reactive. I've got a bit of a frustration building up inside me at various times. And I know when I give myself those 15 minutes, I'm a better husband. I'm a better father. I'm a better human being, frankly, when I've had those 15 minutes. So, yeah, that's how I kind of start each day at the moment.
2: It's interesting, isn't it? I think that we're all I mean, it's a generalization to make, but I feel like a lot of us are getting better at identifying what version of that benefits us every day and trying to work it into our day. I think we're all we're all getting better at analyzing what makes us tick and what helps our mental health and what helps our physical health and trying to build that into our day. Would you agree with that?
1: Yeah, Alison, I think you've you've hit the nail on the head there. And I've been really reflecting on this because what's so fascinating for me about that is I think the reason why we've got this heightened awareness now is because we've been forced into a position that frankly we never would have gradually nudged our way into. You know, it had to be this extreme and this sudden to jolt us out of these kind of overstressed, over busy lives that many of us, not all of us, that many of us were leading. And so when I ask these questions also on my Instagram feed, um, people will say, you know what, I've realised that starting each day with a walk in nature, that is something that changes my mental health, that it lowers my anxiety, and that is something I'm going to keep going whenever everything reopens in the future, whatever, you know, that new version of normal looks like, that is something they're going to try and keep going with. And that's the beauty Again, for all the negatives, some of the positives are we've all, you know, many, I shouldn't say all of us because it's not true for all of us, but many of us have had more time to try new things, to try different ways of doing things that, frankly, in our normal busy lives, when we're just rushing around, trying to get the kids ready, drop them at school, get to work, get back, take them to after school club, bring them home, trying to cook dinner, get them off to bed on time, you know, now that it's sort of slowed down somewhat for many of us we can go, Ah, you know what, I kind of like doing that in the morning, rather than trying to fit a gym session in at seven o'clock when I'm on my way home from work, knackered, exhausted and stressed out. And so I think many of us are are self-experimenting in a way that we probably thought wasn't possible. And, you know, it's, I think routine is important. I don't know if you heard, um, I spoke to this incredible guy called John McAvoy in my podcast a few weeks ago. And John, frankly, he's got one of the most incredible stories ever. He, you know, he was, Um, one of the UK's most wanted men. Uh, Yes, I
2: did listen to this one. Yes, this was fascinating.
1: Yeah, fascinating. Notorious crime family. At the age of 24, he's got two life sentences. He is in solitary confinement for an entire year. So for one year, I think he was in a 12 foot by 8 foot. No, that sounds too small, doesn't it? I'm pretty sure it was. He's in a tiny box cell. For one year, he didn't leave that cell, right? He was rebelling against his prison officers it was a it was an act of rebellion he was like I'm staying here I'm not going out for anything if you think you're going to control me and think that by locking me in here that actually you're punishing me I'm going to show you I don't care and what's really interesting about that is I asked him how did he cope and he coped by having a routine he said without routine I wouldn't have coped but I get up every morning and I do my prison circuit workout every single morning and I asked him I said John did you ever Were you ever feeling a bit tired or a bit low on one day? He thought, you know what? Forget it. I'm not going to do it today. He said, Rongan, you know what? I did occasionally, but I still did it because I remember every time I did that, the way I felt afterwards was incredible. And then we discussed that Nelson Mandela. Nelson Mandela was in prison for 27 years. And what did he do? He would jog for 45 minutes a day on the spot.
2: Wow.
1: On the spot because it was his way of staying fit, physically sharp, mentally sharp. And look, those are quite extreme uh, situations, Alison, but I think we can learn a lot from those situations and go, well, all of us on some level are in some form of confinement relative to our previous lives. And therefore, if those guys can get through a year in solitary or 27 years in jail using routine, using that consistency, well, I kind of think, well, we can kind of learn from that and go, hey, well, I don't need to go to that extreme, but even just a 10-minute routine each day that gives me a sense of agency and control over my life, that's going to have a huge difference.
2: Yeah, and I'd like to think, so I, I've been going for a run or a walk at 7 a.m. every morning, and I've been wondering if I will manage to keep it up after life goes back to some kind of normal. Um, And I do wonder whether everybody else will keep up these good habits that we formed whether it is um, you know things like more cooking more home-cooked meals or going for family walks in the countryside or all of these brilliant positive things are we going to keep these up or will we revert back to how life was pre- yeah lockdown
1: Alison it's inc- I mean it's something that I think about all the time as well at the moment, is you know, how much of this will we be able to keep in? So did you say you go for a one-hour walk every morning?
2: Yeah, pretty much. 45 minutes, one hour, yeah.
1: Yeah. So what what often happens with people, I'm I'm, of course, I'm not saying with you, Alison, but in general, a lot of people go, will say, and this is just a general piece on behaviour change that I've seen in almost 20 years of seeing patients, I go, I love going for a one-hour walk. And so often people make it black or white that I either go for a one-hour walk or I don't do anything. You often see this when people are talking about the gym or working out, of oh, I don't have an hour to work out so what's the point? Yeah. And the point is that small things matter. So for you it could be that hey you know what in lockdown I had time to go for 45 minutes every morning. But you know what I don't have 45 minutes anymore, but you know what I do have 20 minutes. So maybe I can go for 20 minutes. And I'm only adding that in just in case anyone's listening to this and they are questioning whether they're going to have time for this stuff at the end. It's kind of like well You don't have to, it's not all or nothing. There are various, it's a continuum, right? So it could be, I love going for a walk in the morning, but all I can manage is five minutes around the block. Fine. That five minutes is still going to make a difference. So I would just encourage people to say, don't, you know, yes, enjoy, enjoy the good weather, you know, because obviously it's, it's much easier to motivate ourselves to go for these one hour walks. When the weather's been like it has been in the UK, you know, come January when it's dark and it's cold and it's raining, uh, I, you know, I wonder what lockdown would have been like had it happened in January or February, for example. You know, I think we would have well, not I think, of course, it would be a very different experience.
0: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care.
2: I think we've been so lucky with the weather. I mean, everyone keeps saying that we're so lucky with the weather, but I think it has really helped people's mental health to be able to go out into the garden or go for a walk around the block and have, feel sunshine on their faces.
1: Yeah, no, for sure. And, it, and it's, you know, it's kind of like we're all reflecting and we're all going to reflect in very different ways. So, and, you know, do you know what? I'll tell you what else I was reflecting on. Um, just a few days ago, I'm in the middle of, I'm writing some thoughts down on this and I may put a post out on this at some point and make a little video on it. But it's just this idea about what is success. And I thought, it's interesting, isn't it? How do we define success in society? We define it, typically we d- define it how much money does someone earn? What sort of house have they got? What sort of car have they got? What job yeah. have they got? It's all right, status that, linked, isn't it? It's all status linked. But what if we flipped it? What if we define success as how many school drop-offs and pickups do you do? How many times a day do you eat a meal with one of your family or with one of your friends? Um, you know, how many bike rides do you go on a week with your family? You know, I, I. I I'm I'm just sort of throwing it out there. What what would society look like if that's how we define success? Because suddenly then you've got a very different roadmap then as to what life might want to look like.
2: Well, it's that age old thing, isn't it? Where people talk about how motherhood and parenthood isn't valued by society. And actually that is kind of one of the most important things, one of the most important jobs that we can do. And when you are, you know, on your deathbed looking back, are you thinking about, you know, the amazing business deals that you struck and, you know, that industry award that you received? Or are you actually thinking about your family and the special moments that you spent together?
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's I remember when I was a uh, don't know, was it when I was in hospitals or early on in my career as a GP? I remember um, being at I think it was a meeting one evening and I remember some of the older GPs saying, just chatting and they were just saying you know we really regret not spending more time with our kids when we were younger uh, and yet I've heard that over and over again from not just medics from all kinds of people and it seems to be that consistency you hear no one ever says oh man I wish I'd worked more um you know I wish I'd traveled more for work and again look I appreciate there's a certain um element of privilege to be able to have these discussions because of Definitely. course excuse me of course for some people it's not a choice and I get that and I would you know even certain things in my life are not a choice right so I think it's a very individual thing that we've all got to figure out ourselves what is it that's important to us
2: so you, you, you mentioned family and kids what when it comes to our kids what can we be doing to help them through all of this because it's it's a pretty unsettling time for a lot of them isn't it
1: Okay, so the first thing I think we need to just take the pressure off ourselves and off our kids. I think it's tricky at the moment, you know, many people are struggling. If you are a working mum or a working dad and your kids are at home and you're trying to do your work and you're trying to look after your kids, you know what? Stress anxiety is very likely to rear its head at some point. And you don't go easy on yourself, that's okay. Like, I think be honest with kids is always quite a good thing to do. Uh, So if I'm ever feeling stressed or I've got a lot of work to do or a deadline, I'll often say to kids, hey, guys, look, I know you want daddy at the moment, but I've got to do this. It's going to take me about half an hour. Is it all right if I just go into my study for half an hour, finish this off, and then we can do something in the garden afterwards, for example? And I find that when I do that... The outcome that we both want is met. And actually, there's a, it's a lot calmer because they understand it's not me going, just, I've told you to be quiet, I've told you to be quiet. Yeah. It's more, hey, look, guys, I get it. You want to play with me. I want to play with you too. Just give me half an hour and then I'll try and do that. I think that's important. And I really think depending on your kid's age, I think they get it. So that's one thing I would say. Um... I think have time with your children where you're undistracted, I think is really, really important. So what I mean by that, it's very easy to think we're spending time with them, but we're sort of also looking at our phone, looking yeah. at our computer. Yeah. And I passionately believe that even 20 minutes of one-on-one time where you're fully connecting and fully engaging with them is worth much more than two hours of sort of semi-distracted time with them. And so one thing I try and do each day, and again, I'm not perfect, but one thing I try and do is make sure I spend some real quality time with them. And my phone, frankly, is upstairs somewhere. It's in a completely different room. So I don't have any distraction to look at it or even hear it. Um, And I think with younger kids in particular, if people do need to work, if parents do need to work, I think you're better off sometimes in the morning spending a bit quality time first with your children so they feel that they've got you and they've had that one-on-one engagement and then you'll find they may often go and just do a jigsaw or a puzzle themselves once they know they've had that they've had that security that hey mum spent some time with me uh so you know I'm no parenting expert you know I I guess I get asked these sort of things a lot uh as a GP um and I've spoken to a lot of parenting experts including Philippa Perry on my podcast so I kind of feel I've learned a lot and and you know one of the best experiences is, is simply to be a parent, right? I've seen what works well with kids and what doesn't work well. And I found that shouting, getting stressed out, rarely gives you the outcome that you want or that they want. So th- th- those are, I guess, some tips that I'd share with people.
2: Brilliant, brilliant. Um, and as a GP, what do you think that this, all of this, this lockdown is doing to our immune systems? Because we're all living in a bit of a bubble right now and my kind of concern is that when the kids eventually go back to school and we all start mixing with other people again are we going to have weeks and months of cold and coughs you know in that same kind of way that when children start nursery or primary school you have weeks of like runny noses and bugs
1: yeah Alison I think it's a brilliant question um, I think first of all none of us know for sure what's going to happen because we've not been in this scenario before and I guess the slight differentiating factor is that a lot of those coughs and colds tend to happen in that winter season Mm. um, less so in the summertime and I guess obviously depends what the regulations are but it would appear likely that we're going to start mixing again in some form you know when it's a warmer part of the year when it's a lighter time of the year where typically there are less bugs around. But if we, if we go back to basics and think about the immune system, well, what is the immune system? The immune system is, uh, well, it's a system within the body that helps protect us, protects us against any outside kind of, you know, for want of a better term, toxin or bug, um, you know, and it's, you know, most of the immune system function is actually in our guts. Now, the way the immune system, uh, it becomes strengthened is by, you know, exposure. You know That's how it educates itself. It, it gets exposed to things. It understands. It mounts a response. And so next time, actually, it's stronger. It's better equipped to know what it should be doing when a bug faces it again. So, you know, I think you're right. There is a potential risk that some of our immune systems or certain parts of our immune system won't be as robust and as tuned in as it was prior to this because we're not being exposed to as many bugs as are needed to constantly fine-tune that system. The other thing I would say, though, is that what can we do to help strengthen our immune system? Well, there's many things that we can do, and a lot of those things are being done. So if you are in the lucky situation where your stress levels have gone down in lockdown, and that actually, for some people, is happening. I was on Radio 4 last week on uh, the lunchtime sort of phone-in programme, and this lady phoned up, and she said that one of her, I think she was in her late 60s, so she didn't have work, and she was really enjoying the slower pace of life. And she said one of her skin conditions has completely cleared up. She's said it for 10 years, completely cleared up. And that makes a lot of sense to me because we know that stress, chronic stress, drives many different problems. It's certainly a big contributory factor for many different problems.
2: And is it true that there's been a reduction in people having heart attacks and strokes
1: in the last Yeah, years? exactly. And I guess we've got to be... Careful with that because some of that could be because people are scared to access medical help and phone up doctors. But you know, with heart attacks or strokes, you know, yes, you can be scared to ask for help, but ultimately it's not something you can really, you know, hide from the medical mm. system. At some point, you're gonna to have to go in and get the help if that has happened. Mm. And that actually makes a lot of sense to me because um, you know, 70 to 90 percent of what a GP like me sees in any given day is thought to be in some way related to stress. So it makes sense, doesn't it? If our stress levels, and again, appreciate not everyone's stress levels have gone down. Some people's stress levels have gone up and other people's, the types of stress have changed. So for example, their life might be stressful still, but they're no longer having to do, get up early, get everything ready for that one hour commute in traffic or that one hour commute back. You know, even if your work stays stressful, if you're not commuting for two hours a day, in traffic, and having to get ready, and all the pressure around that, that is a significant reduction in your stress overall. So any condition that is driven by something to do with the immune system, which is frankly, most chronic conditions, whether it's skin conditions, whether it's uh, type 2 diabetes, heart attacks, you know, on some level, the immune system is not functioning as well as we would like it to, of course, they could get better. Um, Sleep, Right sleep is one of the best things you could do to strengthen your immune system. So we know for example if you sleep 5 hours a night and you go from that to 7 to 8 hours a night you have an increase in something called natural killer cells by 70%. Right natural killer cells are one of the most important types of cell in your immune system. They help you fight bacteria, they help you fight viruses, they help you fight fungi. Okay? And they go up by 70% when you go from five hours a night to almost eight hours a night. So the immune system is very complex. And of course, what we've been asked to do is primarily to reduce the spread of this virus and reduce the demand on hospitals. So I get that and I understand that. But I don't think enough attention has been put yet in the public domain on what we can all do to strengthen our own immune systems Uh, And I think there's plenty we can do. So does that answer your question in some way? Yeah,
2: it really does. It really does. But also you mentioned that obviously people aren't going to their GPs over health concerns. And so there are things that are being missed. Um, What are the things that we absolutely shouldn't be ignoring? I mean, British people quite often, you, you hear them saying, oh, I don't want to bother the doctor. But what are the things that right now people should not be ignoring?
1: Yeah, look, it, it, it's very hard to give an exhaustive list.
2: It really is. That is that, that's quite a tricky question.
1: I'm sorry. It, yeah, no, no, it's fine. It's just I'm just saying if you are concerned, I think it's important to say that all, you know, NHS GPs are still open as per usual. You know, When I say as per usual, they're open in terms of you can access them, you can phone them, you can leave a message, you can speak to someone and get help. Yes, it might be done on the telephone, it might be done on a video, it may not be in the surgery room and the consultation room as per usual but you can still have access um, so if you're really concerned you should definitely speak to someone and actually get that medical help but the things I'm really concerned about are mental health problems I think the real risk of lockdown and I think unfortunately I think this is going to be played out I actually think um, for you know, that nothing has, you know, no intervention we possibly can do will have no consequences. Yes, there's a consequence of not doing lockdown, but there is a huge consequence of lockdown as well. Um, the, the, the argument is often it's, it's you know, is our, is our health more important or is our economy more important? It's it's actually not that black and white, you know. Economy is linked with health. We know people on lower incomes do less well with their health. We know that actually poverty kills so, you know, it's not quite that black or white. And we knew even before lockdown that social isolation and loneliness was a bigger risk factor for ill health than obesity. Um, it's a comparable risk factor to smoking, maybe smoking up to 15 cigarettes a day, right? We That was already a massive problem. And I think we've made that problem a lot worse to the point where I spoke to a patient last week who was, uh, I think she's in the late 70s, and she's not been doing so well. And she said, you know what? I can't stay by myself for 12 weeks. I'd much rather people came to visit me. I'd much rather take the chance of getting coronavirus. And if I die, then so be it. But I'd rather take that chance than be stuck by myself for 12 weeks. Aww. And I think that says it all, Alison. You know, uh, feeling isolated as a human being is one of the most toxic feelings uh, that we can have. And... You know, let me just highlight that because a lot of time when we talk about loneliness, people go, oh yeah, that's fine, but I'm completely fine by myself. Here's the thing, when it's enforced upon you, you may not be. So I spoke to someone who I really well yesterday and she lives by herself and she's very happy. She's got a decent life, she enjoys her job, you know, earns a reasonable amount of money. What was really interesting, Alison, is she said to me, I thought I was happy by myself, but I'm really struggling in lockdown because I... I I was getting at least some content. Maybe it was a weekly yoga class she went to, or she'd nip to a cafe to pick up a coffee and she'd say hi to the barista. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? We're, we're, it's, it's, we're being pushed to such extremes now.
2: It's, it's having that that, uh, that choice taken away from you, isn't it? That's the yeah, difference.
1: exactly. And so I think mental health problems, anxiety, depression, I think those things... I hope they don't, but I think a lot of them are going to get worse. And I would really encourage people who are struggling, um, you know, phone your doctor. If you can't get through or you don't want to talk to your doctor, talk to someone, right? Talking to someone, sharing how you feel is so, so important. It's not just a cliche, right? It really does make a difference. Yeah. And i tell you one thing which a lot of people don't understand. And it's what is connection? You know, what is that feeling of human connection? It's not actually about physically being with someone. Right, we we often think it is, but it really isn't because you could take the scenario, Alison, where you were in uh the middle of Times Square pre-lockdown, of course, middle of Times Square, surrounded by thousands of people, and you could still feel lonely if you didn't know anyone, if you hadn't got any connection with anyone. And Professor John Capioche, who's until he died and unfortunately uh, relatively recently, probably the world's leading researcher on loneliness. And he has shown that loneliness, or, or I should say human connection, is about shared meaning. So it's when we have a shared experience with someone else, that is really what connection is all about. And so ironically, what we have at the moment is a real opportunity to connect, because we've all got a shared experience of lockdown. So if you phone someone or Zoom them or FaceTime them regularly, and you say, hey, look, you know what, how are you finding it? You know, I find this really, I find this really challenging. I like this part of it, but overall, I'm really struggling in lockdown and they share something back with you. You are sharing over a similar experience and that really connects you and bonds you. So I don't don't want to finish on a negative note. I want to provide that as a, there is a real opportunity to have deep, meaningful connection, even though it can't be in person, it can be through technology.
2: And that, that actually links back to what you were talking about at the very beginning, because you were saying that not everybody is having the same experience. And it, it reminds me of a quote that I saw. I think it was um, Damien Barr said, we're not all in the same boat, but we're all in the same storm. Some people are on super yachts and some people have one oar. You know, we're all going through the same thing, but in a very different way, even though we have got that shared connection with people.
1: Yeah, oh man, I love that quote. I absolutely love that. I mean, I've not heard that. We're not we're not all in the same boat.
2: We're all in the same storm.
1: Yeah, I mean that says it all. Who who's that quote by? So that's
2: Damien Barr, um, who is our writer and broadcaster.
1: It, I mean that says it all beautifully, doesn't it? Really it
2: really does. It really does. Yeah, because actually we're all experiencing the same thing but in a very, very different way.
1: We are, and I, I really the, the other thing I'd really like to um just touch on, Alison, if you don't mind, is about judgment. And I think we, I think, I think, you know, situations like this pandemic bring out the best of human qualities, but they also bring out the worst as well. And I think uh, many of us are probably without realising being quite judgmental of other people, the decisions that they might be taking. For example, you know, it's not uncommon a few weeks ago where newspapers will print a photo of people who are not socially distancing and are going out and congregating and you know it's easier for people to jump on and go oh look at them you know they've got no respect for anyone else you know they're not you know they're not thinking about the NHS and I really feel that actually when you come from a place of compassion and really try not to judge people it's a much calmer way of living because we don't know let on the assumption that the photo was real and it was taken in the middle of lockdown, which isn't always the case in newspapers, mm. on the assumption that it's true, we don't know the situation that people in that photo were experiencing. We don't know if there was a, a woman in that photo who's been domestically abused at home. And so therefore she's like, you know what, I, I, I can't stay in my house. I need to get out because that's how I stay safe. We don't know if you were a six-person family living in a one-bedroom high-rise And you know what? After two or three weeks, you're tearing your hair out. People are screaming at each other. Maybe someone in the household is suicidal. Who knows? But actually, you know what? I know what the government is saying, but we just have to get out. We don't know. None of us know what somebody else is going through. And I really really would urge people to try not to be too judgmental because, you know, we may all be... um, in the same storm, but but as but as mentioned, we're, we're certainly not all on the same boat.
2: Yeah, that's so true. So true. Really wise advice. Uh, so finally, Rongan, what are you most looking forward to doing when these restrictions are eased and life feels a bit more normal?
1: What am I most looking forward to doing? Wow, well, let me have a think. Um, <laughs> I guess so many different things, but... I guess one of the simplest ones is going to see my mum and giving her a hug. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it really is. I mean, I I really am. And and I've, you know, the thing I've really learnt over this period so far, as we record this, Alison, what, about six weeks, something like that, just over six weeks? I've, you know, I've I've had a few days where I've been sitting in the garden um, and having dinner with the family and the sun is shining. And I've really just been sitting there thinking life doesn't really get better than this. This this is there's nothing more I could possibly want for at this exact moment than what I have right now. And I've the the big thing I've got from this whole process is a real deep understanding and realization that happiness is an inside job, that happiness is inside us. It's not out there, you know, and we keep looking for happiness out there, more things, buying this, buying that. Um, you know, looking for the latest phone, the latest headphones, a new t-shirt. Uh, people are realising that often they'd go to the supermarket just because they were bored. And actually, when you've been asked to go just once a d- week, you're like, oh, I can actually do my whole shopping in one, one go. i don't <laughs> have to knew? go six times, you know, exactly. And so I really feel that I've learned on a personal level that I'm really satisfied with my life and I'm really happy with what I've got. And I think that's reflected in the answer to the question, which is, you know what, one thing I'm not doing is hugging my mum. Mm-hmm. And she's elderly, she's been struggling, I don't know how long she'll be around for. And I've really got it that I actually don't take that for granted. So I think that's the thing I'm looking forward to the most.
2: And having the freedom to be able to go and hug her whenever you want to as well. That, that's yeah. that's a big part of it, isn't it?
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: Um, Rongan, thank you so much. I feel like you have just shared an immense amount of wisdom Massive thank you to you for being my guest today. It's been a joy to talk to you.
1: Alison, honestly, it's really been fun chatting to you. I think you asked brilliant questions. um, And thank you so much for inviting me. I hope your audience enjoy our conversation.